Hello, hello, welcome back to Loki's Library, and if you are new here, welcome. I am your librarian, Katrina, and this is where I'm reading through the enormous library books you see behind me, and then I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. My camera is having autofocus issues today. Oh my. Focus, focus, focus. After I read the books, I give you a quick synopsis and tell you what I think about them. So if you like books, just aren't sure what to read next, hit that subscribe button, like and share my videos, and let me know what you think in the comments. This week, or this month, this week, this month, we have five Sundays, so I am starting my month with a fiction book, specifically book two of the Kingmaker series, Due Process by R.E.H. Mendelssohn. The accompanying cocktail is The Bad Guy. It is three ounces of absinthe, one ounce of rum, and one ounce of Everclear. So I'm not particularly looking forward to getting this fucked up on a Sunday morning, but let's do this. When I reviewed Consent, which was book one, way back in October, I said I thought it was a two-book series. The author kindly advised me that it's actually a three-book series, so there is one more, which I'll review in June. I'm also very glad there's a third book because this book ended kind of with the bad guys metaphorically and literally beating the ever-loving shit out of the good guys on multiple occasions. And um, it would be awful to end a series on such a down note, so I'm very glad there's more to come. Let me see, three ounces of absinthe. Due process picks up right where consent left off. Now, at the end of book one, one of the heroes, Jonathan Hall, the intrepid reporter, had been arrested, although we don't know for what charge, just that he had been placed under arrest on federal charges. And we knew it was something obsolete based on the back chatter from the bad guys, but nothing specific. Now, the charges revealed in this book, so the charges revealed in this book, and it's pretty creative, actually, and horrifying for its believability. I actually found this book to be quite educational just through reading the conversations between characters. And the one between the reporter, uh, Jonathan Hall, and his attorney explained a lot of what has gone horribly wrong with the criminal justice system just in the last 100 years. Yeah, pour, out, pour this out. Now, there is no stirring. There is no shaking. This is not, strictly speaking, a layered cocktail, but we just pour them all into the glass in a specific order, namely in the order named. God, I hate absinthe. This is going to be so gross. I don't like absinthe. I don't like wormwood. I don't like the flavor of it. I don't like anise. Those things are all presents in absinthe. Yes, the might not have wormwood. It definitely has anise, but wormwood might be optional. I feel like wormwood was the, the, the psychotropic element that was made illegal and they had to stop using it, but I, I might be mistaken. I'm not an expert on absinthe. Anyways, back to the book. The charges is horrifying for its believability, and like I said, the book is quite educational just reading through the conversations between the characters. It reminded me of just how thoroughly we have gone astray from James Madison, who said, and this is a direct, this is a quote of his, it's a, fam a famous quote, it will be of little avail to the people that the laws are made by men of their own choice if the laws be so voluminous that they cannot be read or so incoherent that they cannot be understood. If they be repealed or revised before they are promulgated or undergo such incessant changes, then no man who knows what the law is today can guess what it will be tomorrow. And uh, that's, um, yeah, they don't make, the, the, the lawmakers today are not of the same cloth as the lawmakers of yesterday. And in some ways that's good because James Madison was a slave owner and obviously that is not a good thing, but, that was a very prescient quote. In, in this case, the judge in the book who was overseeing the, the you know, arrest and, and uh, arraignment, that's the word I'm looking for, didn't even know what law the pros prosecutor was referencing. 
And because he didn't know it, he's like, okay, sure, we'll just go ahead and let this proceed. And Hall's attorney covers the flaw in having elected judges versus appointed judges. And don't get me wrong, there are problems with appointed judges too. But elected judges are pretty damn fickle because they're dependent on the votes of the people to get reelected. And that is a problem in its own right. One ounce of rum. Pour this very slowly. I don't think it's going to actually layer, but I'm going to pour this in slowly. No, it didn't layer. That's okay. It's still bright green. It's still going to be revolting. Now, on the other hand, the conversation between the prosecutor, defense attorney, and Hall make it very apparent why innocent people will accept a plea bargain. I mean, prosecutors really will use any leverage they can get to get that W in their the column of their cases, right? They want that win. They want to be able to report, yes, I have done my bit for justice, even though it is hardly justice. Now, most of the events in this book occur between two years and two months before the next scheduled election, and Mendelssohn doesn't actually put years in the book, which is smart, because that means it's applicable no matter what timeline you're in, just X years before the election. I think the only exception to this was when he introduced a new character, Jonas Perez, and he kind of backs the clock up seven years to explain how Perez was an ideal candidate and recruit for Antira, which is Mendelssohn's fictional counterpart to Antifa. Uh, the recruitment is, as near as I can tell, a pretty accurate playbook as revealed by the real-life reporting of Andy No and James O'Keefe. God. Oh. Oh. Hey, honey. Oh. Honey. Can you... Oh. Can you grab me a bottle of water? Oh, it, it's not the worst one. The worst one would be the one that actually curdled in the glass. That, you know, the one that I read last year, but oh, oh. And apparently this is a popular cocktail that people drink. Ugh. Do not recommend. Do not recommend. Oh, is this one called? The bad guy? Yeah. Try it. Try it. <laughs> Let's see if you like it. <laughs> it's a lot of absinthe, rum, and Everclear. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of absinthe. And me neither. Oh, it's the anise. Right? <laughs> the wormwood. <laughs> okay, now that I've shared the pain, I'm going to switch to water because that was pretty vile. And now I don't have to on the plus side get that fucked up this early on a Sunday morning. Okay, so... Importantly, so it, like I said, this is pretty accurate based on things reported by Andy No, James O'Keefe, the undercover work they've done. Uh, it's heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking to watch as a forlorn youth gets kind of sucked into this morass of evil. And as heartbreaking as it is, though, Mendelssohn's story includes a pretty important redemption arc for Perez. Uh, it had me on the edge of my seat more than once, but it's important to remember because people tend to think that if they get sucked into these cult-like things, that then they're lost, right? They're going to be they're going to be working for Antifa and Tira whoever forever because they've been sucked into it. And that's not necessarily true, all right? That you have to leave people a path back for redemption. If you don't, then they are lost because where else are they going to turn to? So if you know somebody who has been sucked into this bullshit, obviously you don't have to follow them into it but leave them a couch, face on your couch in case they need to put a bolt hole, basically, in case they need somebody to talk to who's not involved in it to help pull them back. You gotta, you gotta leave options open for people if you want redemption to be possible. 
So yeah, Perez's redemption arc had me on the edge of my seat multiple times. I was, it was very um, page turning. I couldn't stop reading. Uh, the beautiful starlet Megan Peters starts to see the trap around her and the gilded cage she was lured into residing in. And um, it was very clever. It was clever how he described... He actually shows you behind the curtains how she starts to piece it together. And it, it's insidious. It's insidious how she was trapped and her exit is not quite as insidious but more terrifying because she realizes just how vulnerable she has become. And um, it, it was alarming because one of the things, obviously to be vulnerable, I mentioned this during my review of consent, is, is you have to be online all the time, all the time, all the time. And he goes into the addictive properties of social media, that feel-good feedback loop that people get into of always checking their phone. And it's accurate because even reading like the page-turning portions of this book, and I'd suddenly stop and pick up my phone for no earthly reason. It's not like I had a phone call or a text message or anything. I'd just be like, oh, what am I missing on Reddit today? And nobody needs to be that connected all the time. So basically, the tech he's describing already exists. I mean, if you watch my review of Edward Snowden's book, Permanent Record, he goes into how old that tech is, and that's, that's a decade ago. It's not like they stopped advancing once Snowden did his runner, right? Tech has only got more and more advanced and more and more horrifying. It's really well done. Now, as she figures out the cage that she's in and she starts to pull, like, the pieces fall into place, it, it's darker than expected, but there's still hope. I mean, even the tech giants today have enemies. And in Mendelssohn's book, it's an anonymous hacker, not anonymous, the organization. It's an anonymous, as in we don't know who he is. Downey Duckling 148. Now we know nothing about Ducky other than he lives in, I think it was Iceland. I'm almost, I think it was, it may have been Finland, but I'm almost positive it was Iceland in the book. Um, and he hates Neville. We don't know why he hates Neville. We don't know what the, the source of their enmity is. I'm guessing he must know Neville personally on some level to hate him this much. And uh, when Peters figures out just how much she's been manipulated, she remembers a one-time contact she had with Hall a couple of years prior at a Comic-Con. A comic convention. I shouldn't. Comic Con is trademarked, so it's not that, but it's a comic convention. And she reaches out to him. She 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 gets a blank computer. I'm not going to tell you how she does that, but she gets a computer that's not connected with her in any known way, shape, or form. So it's not being tracked or, or anything like that. And she goes to his website. She sees what he's done, and she reaches out to him. And Hall's team, in turn, gets her in contact with Ducky. At the end of my review on consent, I expressed dread about what was planned for Hall's friend Kevin, and I was half right in th what I thought was going to happen, and the half I missed really hurt to read. And I just, I'm like, no, don't go there! Um, and what Neville is getting up to with his social engineering, his, his big project for China, is grotesque. I, I, you know, I put horrifying in my initial review, but grotesque is an actually better word for it. And I most definitely did not see just how dark and awful it was going to get. I mean, even as the story unfolds, you don't know just how bad it's going to get until the final reveal. And then you're like, oh my God. Um, th this whole book left me with high levels of anxiety while I was reading it. And now I have to read book three to make sure the good guys do win. And don't get me wrong. It wasn't anxiety like, um, the frustrating, what the hell is this guy doing? I want to throw this book across the room kind of way. I've read those books, right? Um, it, it was the, oh my God, what is going to happen next sort of anxiety. It, it was that good. And it wasn't until like the last hundred pages that the good guy started to get a little ahead. I mean, up until then, they were basically just getting 
beat metaphorically and physically beat down. And the book did end a little bit on a down note where the bad guys had a definite upper hand, although the pieces are there for the good guys to start winning now. And I am eagerly awaiting June when I'll have time to finish the series. And that's it for this week. So if you liked what you saw, don't forget to subscribe and I'll see you guys next Sunday. Bye.